All right, so today we're going to be starting off a new series, and, uh, and we have the headline verse that I want to go to, uh, but go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to start things off today, but this is a study that I, um, as I talked with a bunch of, with our leaders and kind of got their feedback as to, you know, where you guys are at, some of the things that you guys have said some of the things and questions and issues that you guys have been dealing with that you have been talking to me about. Um, I decided to kind of repackage a few things that we've gone over throughout the years, and we are going to hit the studies. This is going to be a little bit of everything. So we're going to, the, the whole idea of this study is it's called One Thing is Needful, and I called it the subtitles Mastering the Essentials of the Christian Walk. And so one of the things that you guys need to always remember is it doesn't matter how old you get, It doesn't matter how long you walk with God. It doesn't matter how sure you are of your walk with God or even how unsure you are with your walk with God. The basics are always the basics and they are always critical. And if you ever leave the basics, then you are going to be in loads of trouble. Most of the time, the chances are, I would say, that if you are struggling with something in your walk or in your life, it's because you've left the basics. You've left off from doing the most basic things to keep your walk with God going. And so I want to talk about that this morning and in the weeks to come. So we're going to be talking about reading your Bible. We're going to be talking about uh, how to study your Bible. So we're going to not do like the full how to study your Bible series, but we're going to pull some things in, practically speaking, on how should you, if you wanted to sit down and study your Bible, what would you do and how would you go about doing it? And so we're going to do a little bit of stuff on that week whenever we do that. We're going to talk about prayer and we're going to have some challenges when it comes to prayer. Um, it's not going to be the full-blown prayer series that we've done in the years past. It's going to be just pieces and parts of it. And I'm going to challenge you guys to work on your prayer life that particular week. And just to kind of keep these things going. And we're going to talk about later on uh, when it comes to sin in your life. How do you deal with sin? How to identify it? Um, and what do you need to do in order to take care of those things? So there's going to be a lot of things that are involved in this series. And the big reason why I landed on this series is because we are hitting the last part of the school year. So the last part of the school year, many of you feel what? Worn out. Worn out. Bored. Bored. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> Speechless. Um, <laughs> I mean, it can be a struggle between trying to stay on top of your game. Um, but for many of you seniors, you're not going to be seeing these people very often going forward. This is going to be it. Um, so there's just a lot of things as you're heading into, for you seniors, you're transitioning into that, that college, single, adulthood phase where things are going to change. And whenever there's transitions, there's always vulnerability. Anytime you're in a life transition situation, there's vulnerability. Um, for those of you that are going to be going to Mexico, and you can talk to people that have gone on past mission trips, even last year's mission trip to Mexico. Going to Mexico and then coming home is also a transition. You learned a lot from God, and then he's going to throw things in your life to test you on whether or not you're going to be obedient to what he showed you. And so that's critical. And so there are many things with end of the school year, transitioning into next year, some of you leaving, some people coming in, some of you becoming more upperclassmen with more responsibility in this ministry. At least that's how it should work. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that we just need to stay focused. We need to stay focused on the basic things. So we're going to talk about this today. All right. So in Luke chapter 10, I thought about this verse and I'm like, oh, this has got to be our headline. 
I've mentioned this this passage before. I know I have, uh, but this is one where it is it is just absolutely fantastic when it comes to thinking about the most basic things and staying focused. All right, in verse thirty eight. <clears throat> Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, what do you learn from this passage, from these verses? What do you got? Even the most basic observations. What do we got? Yeah. Martha had a heart to serve God, but worried about too many things. Okay, so she's full of worry and anxiety, but she loves to serve. Or what else did you mention at the end? That she might not be focused on the most important things. Okay, yep, okay, good. What else did you notice? Yep. She's annoyed by Mary because she thinks that Mary should be doing the same thing as her, but they're not doing the same thing. Yeah, and she's annoyed because she probably thinks Mary's being lazy. Jesus is in the house. We got work to do, and you're sitting with him when there's so much stuff to do. We've got, I don't know if they didn't punch people over their house, but we've got so many other people that are coming over, and you're just sitting on your duff, not doing anything, or listening to Jesus. You should be serving God with me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. What else we got? Anything else? Come on. Let's get those synapses firing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a tendency in my life of if I'm busy serving God, I'm walking with him. Have you thought about that? Like if I'm out and I'm evangelizing, if I'm involved in discipleship, if I'm going to church, if I'm going to the activities, if I'm doing all these things, I am walking with God. Have you had that idea before? Okay, but that's not necessarily the case. Because in this situation, you have Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his words, and Martha is the one that's serving, 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 serving. And Jesus is like, no, 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 she has chosen the good part, and that's not going to be taken away from her. You're worried and troubled over many things, but she has, this is like completely opposite of what we typically think of when it comes to the Christian life. We think the people that are the most spiritual are the ones that are up working and serving and doing all this stuff and but, 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 but. Not necessarily. Just because you're working for God and you're doing the work of God doesn't mean that you have communion with God. Right? There's a lot of people out there doing the things in the name of God and in the name of Jesus who have no fellowship with him at all. At all. And yet they have the, uh, uh, I guess, the image that they're religious or that they're somehow godly. I mean, just look at a false religions like the Roman Catholic Church. <clears throat> How much time and effort it takes for priests and cardinals to get in those positions of power and authority, and people look at them and they think that they're godly. And yet, what we studied last week, right, with the mysteries, they're involved with a religion that is the hotbed of the devil right now. It's the seed of the devil. It's what it says in Revelation 2 and 3. 
So they seem godly, but they're really not. It's the people that actually spend good quality time with Jesus that are the most godly. They're the ones that are walking with God, that know exactly what's going on. So this is a picture that I want to keep in front of us every week. So it's, it's our headline verse for this particular series, because that is what it means to walk with God. That's what it means to have a good, healthy relationship with God. That is the one thing that is needful. And until you have that, you cannot serve God properly. And many of you, and I know some of you guys, your personal testimony, you've been involved in other things from your past, whether it's either other churches or even other people in our church where you have been burned and you don't want to walk with God right now. And the reason why you don't want to walk with God right now is because of this issue. Because you've not maybe ever really understood what it means to have a good, close relationship with God. Because if when you have a good, close relationship with God in your heart, personally, it doesn't matter what anybody else does to you. It doesn't matter what any other church does to you. Because you're not here for them. You're not here for that church. You're here for the Lord. I have been burned by our church. People have hurt me here. So am I going to just stop coming and just stop being involved and stop being faithful to my Lord because of other people? But yet a lot of Christians do that today. They do. So there's some things we need to think about, and there's some things that we need to work through. Okay, let's hit this introduction, and then I've got some interactive stuff that we're going to do that you guys are going to be sharing with each other. And a lot of this study, the things that I'm going to emphasize are going to be based upon your responses to the stuff that we're going to talk about later. So I want you guys to be straight up honest with the Lord and with, uh, with us and with me so that way we can try to figure out exactly what you need as we go through each of these topics. All right, intro. Uh, and go to Colossians chapter 2. Go to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be using Colossians in this intro, and I want you to be able to see these things as I call them out in these paragraphs. Colossians chapter 2. And ironically, this past week I was reading in Colossians when I was prepping for this, and I'm like, man... I love when God does that, because this is exactly what we needed. <clears throat> okay. <coughs> Colossians 2, 1 through 9. God bless you. All right, <clears throat> I'm going to read these verses. Colossians 2, 1 through 9. Okay, Paul, speaking to the church in Colossae. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. All right, let's pause there for a second. What church age do we live in right now? <coughs> the Laodicean church age. So this letter, especially this portion, is written directly to you. Directly to you on a doctrinal level. Now, was there a city called Laodicea back in the day? Absolutely. But you know that we are in the Laodicean church period based off of Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 22. And he says right here, he has a great conflict for us that are in Laodicea. That's huge. So this is written directly to you. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Have you seen Paul's face in the flesh? <laughs> Jack, you have? You've had an out-of-body experience where you went to the third heaven and you saw Paul? Man, that probably happened when you lost your voice. Um, so no, none of us have seen Paul. We've not seen Paul with our own two eyes in the flesh. And so this also is something where it's written directly to you. Okay? So believing that, let's keep going. This is his conflict. And this is what he desires. That their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding 
to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Okay, that mystery. We just talked about this not too long ago. The mystery that we're talking about here is in chapter 1. If you guys remember, when we were going through the seven mysteries, there's one mystery, and it was Christ in you. You remember that one? That was the mystery of Christ. The moment that you're born again, God moves inside of your body, and he is permanently united with your spirit, and he will never go away. So it's the permanent unification of God's spirit with yours, sealing you for all eternity, giving you salvation that will never go away, and that God is literally in your body. Let me say that one more time. That God is literally in your body. That is massively important. And how amazing and humbling that God would do something like that. Because that's what it says in verse 26 and 27 of chapter 1. Back it up and look at those verses. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's exactly what he's talking about in chapter two, verse two, that mystery. All right. Now take a look at verse three, because that mystery, verse three, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any, any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, Yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Okay, let's go back to your study sheet here. All right. So in Colossians 2, 1 through 9, Paul wrote that he had a great conflict in his heart about those in Colossae and Laodicea. He wanted them to truly understand the mystery of Christ permanently indwelling the born-again believer. From this mystery, and that shouldn't be Colossians 12, it should be Colossians 1. I don't know why I have 12 there. Must have been a typo. From this mystery, the mystery of Christ in you, we learn that we have everything that we need. And I want you to just stop for a second. In Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need. Everything that you need. Everything. Like, Everything. Everything, anything you could possibly think of that you might need in your life, you have it in him. You have it. There is nothing. If you get nothing else for the rest of your life, as far as material possessions or status or influence, you have everything you need in him. Everything. Everything. And if you don't believe me, grow up and start getting a whole bunch of stuff and get a good job and you'll find out that it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It just complicates your life more. I mean, in all reality, it does. And yet so many people, the purpose of their, of their life is wrapped up in the things that they have, the status that they have, the influence they have over people, when it doesn't mean anything. Okay, get to your deathbed and show me on the day that you die how your money benefited you, how your influence over people benefited you personally, how all your achievements actually meant something. On the, on the moment you're taking your last breath, prove to me that it actually meant something. It doesn't. It doesn't. 
I mean, I was really moved. So, um, you know, Sam Austin and I, we went and saw a movie um, Friday night. And uh, it was 1917. I've not seen 1917. I've heard it was fantastic. It was good, man. It was really, really good. I love war movies. And uh, there was that moment where um, his friend was stabbed. He was trying to take care of a, a German soldier. And his friend was stabbed. And he died. In that moment, I'm sitting there thinking... The day when my day comes, have I done everything that I know that I'm supposed to do? And I don't know why I was thinking about that during that movie, but I was thinking about that. And I'm like, no, there's more for me to do. There's more for me to be faithful in. There's more things that I need to spend my time doing. There's, there's more. And his life was cut short super fast. And it just really brings everything into perspective about our life and what we have and the ability that we have and the gifts that God has given us and it just made me think about that. And I've been thinking about this, and I've been thinking about our lesson. And I've, been, I've just been thinking about all this stuff, and it's really just been stirring in my heart. You have everything that you need. Back to your study sheet. In Christ, you have everything that you need. I don't know if you believe that today, but you should. In this, from this mystery, we learn that we have everything we need. We just read this. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Him. Not this world, not the education system. All, all of it is found in him. Order, stability, and security are in Christ. Fellowship with the Godhead is found in Christ. We are totally and utterly complete in Christ. We do not need anyone or anything else. So that's the truth that we need to believe, but here's, the, here's what we end up finding. Born-again believers, especially brand-new believers, tend to complicate the Christian life and walk. We redefine God's standards by adding things that shouldn't be there, removing things that should be there, complicating things that are very simple, justifying sinful behavior by excusing it with the ways of this world and personal shortcomings, etc. Rather than following the Lord by faith, similar to when we were first saved through the gospel, we taint the simplicity that's in Christ by comparing ourselves among ourselves, which the Bible says is not wise, just as the gospel is made simple so that anyone can understand it, believe it, and obey it to be born again, God has made walking with him very simple. Very simple. I want, I want two people to look up these verses. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Who wants that one? All right. No one take that one. And then who wants the other one? You've already done one. Hold on. You can take it. Um, and that would be the 1 John 2, 6. But you got to understand this. Just as the gospel is so simple that anyone can believe it and understand it, walking with God is just as simple. It really is. How many of you think... The walking with God is difficult, yeah. practically speaking. I mean, there's times where I felt that way. Have you felt that way? Okay. But the reality is, it is very simple. I'm the one that makes it difficult. I make it hard. Because of me, my pride, my stubbornness, the things I desire, my selfishness, I make it hard. Walking with God is one of the most easiest things in the world. And let me prove it to you. It's the same thing with the gospel, all right? <coughs> So, as far as the gospel is concerned, does God have a heart for all people? Absolutely. He died for the souls of all men, right? That's what the Bible clearly says. So, why would he not make the gospel so simple that all men could believe it? Every man, woman, and child can believe the gospel. It is so simple. It is so simple and so easy that everybody can understand it. Okay, so then why would God make the gospel the way to get right with him so simple, but then you cross over and now you're saved and now it's like so hard. 
Why would God make it that way? Does he want you to walk with him? Absolutely. God wants you to walk with him. And so why would he make it difficult? He would make it very simple and very, very easy. Very easy. Just as easy as believing the gospel. So just with that logical argument alone, we know that the issue in this matter is not the Lord. It's us. We're the ones that make things extremely difficult. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> Are not two sparrows sold for a Nope, that's not it. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29? That's 10. Okay, that's right. Good verse, though. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Okay, everybody's looking for rest for their souls. Everyone is. Whether they want to admit it or not, they're looking for something that will give them rest. And Jesus says in that verse, very specifically, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you today say that you're a born-again believer and your walk with God is a heavy, heavy burden, it is not from God. It's really that simple. There is something that you're adding into your life that's making the burden excessively heavy. There's something in your life that you're being disobedient in where you are making it impossible to walk with God. Otherwise, Jesus is a liar because he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if your Christian life and your walk with God is not light and refreshing and rejuvenating, there's something off. There is something off because God does not add burden to our life. He takes it away. That's what he does. Think about the moment you were saved. The moment you were saved, there's a lot of people that give the same similar testimony. They feel like what? A A great burden was lifted. Okay. Do you not understand that every day can be just like that? Every day, God can lift your burden. Maybe you think I'm speaking a foreign language. Maybe I am to you, and you need to relearn some things. This is why we need to do this study. Because I feel like if you get some of these things in, then when you have opportunities, you're going to jump after it when it comes to witnessing to people. When you have opportunities to invite people to church, you're going to get after it because it's not a heavy burden. Okay? All right. And then First John 2.6. Okay, so the end result is, is that when you do what's right, you'll start walking and you will look like Jesus. You'll do the same things that Jesus did. Okay, so if that's the case, which it definitely is, that's what the Bible says, we must learn to follow God's lead and daily practice Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Once that is accomplished... Then we can learn to properly communicate with God, strengthen our relationship with the Lord and our overall understanding of biblical truth, work with God in the work of the Lord, and be prepared for potential pitfalls that could derail us from glorifying God. So I really hope that this is what you guys need. I really feel like it is. And I really hope that this is going to be something that we can really work this out. And it'll be really, really nice. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a few minutes right now And I want you to answer these three questions that you have at the bottom of your study sheet. And when you're done answering them, 
I want you to get in groups of about three, uh, maybe four, and I want you to spend a couple minutes talking about these things with each other. So do you know how to walk with God? And this is, you got to be honest. Yes, I know how to walk with God. No, I really don't, or kind of. Like, I kind of get some elements of this, but there might be some things that I really don't understand. I want you to answer that one honestly. So circle whichever one that you, that is the most accurate for you. And then I want you to write just one or two things. What do you struggle with the most in your walk with God or the Christian life? What do you struggle with the most? Out of all the things that you could pinpoint, what is the biggest struggle that you have? And then lastly, if you could change or improve anything in your walk with God, what would it be and why? If you could change anything, what would it be and why? So take a few minutes and do that right now. Sure, we could do that. Okay. All right. So now you had some time to chat a little bit with each other. Um, I'd like to get some feedback. Um, if you typically, you know, respond to questions and stuff, I want you to just stay quiet for a minute. I want to give some other people to respond. Um, to, I want to get the ball rolling. So don't be afraid to talk. Um, if it's super embarrassing, you know, just let her fly. It's completely fine. All right. Okay, what do we got? What are, what are some of the things that it comes with? What do you struggle with the most? What do you struggle with the most? Yes. Um, I just said, like, actually taking my walk seriously. Hmm. Um, recently, I've, like, reading through the book study, um, I found out that I'm really just reading to check off a box, and I'm not reading to learn anything from God. Um, and then, like, every time that I find time to read, I'm either filling it with something else or I'm, like, not reading what I should. Okay. So more of a priority. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. What else we got? Yeah. Okay. In what area? As far as everything? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. What else we got? Um, so something that um, we spoke about um, in our group um, was how we um, tend to struggle with just um, um, being um, lazy um, sometimes um, and it comes to um, the things of, of um, God um, and then we also spoke about um, like how um, sometimes am I and like um, the amount of time I spend um, with God um, depends on these circumstances like happening in my mm-hmm. life. So um, the time I spend um, with God seems to be a more um, intimate. Um, um, if I'm like stressed or if I'm going through harder right. circumstances and I like am I um, 
struggle to keep that um, consistency. Mm. I guess. Yeah, and sometimes I think, and it's just, just because it's just what I think, uh, that because we tend to get into those patterns, when things go good, we walk away from God, and when things are hard, we get closer to Him. God will allow you to go through much more difficult things to keep you close. It doesn't have to be that way, but sometimes, and I've noticed this in my life, I am now closer to God than what I was when I was younger because I've gone through harder things, but I still stray when things are going well. And then all of a sudden when the stress is put on, then I'm like, I need to get close. And it's remembering that. So that's that's a hard one. But yeah, that's definitely something that we can learn of, you know, you need God when you need God, which should be all the time, but it's more evident when things are hard. Right. Okay. Good. All right. What else we got? Good so far. I said surrounding myself with the right people all the time. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I don't think you realize the people around you influence you a lot more than what you think. Doesn't matter how strong you are. Okay. What else we got? Yeah, so consistency. Yep. And consistency comes with maturity. But you need to put yourself in circumstances where you can actually mature. And I think a lot of that comes from the laziness aspect. Because we... It's like... Okay, so the past couple weeks I've been getting back in the routine of working out. Uh, hey. You know, hey, how you doing? Um, so the first three days... Yeah, it does. Oh my gosh. Terrible. And the fact that I have to wake up at 5 in the morning in order to do it. That's very difficult. But there's no other time that I can do it. I got, I just got to do it. So I've been doing it. And I swear to you, it is like absolutely terrible. You go, you work out, and then you go take a shower. And you can't even reach the middle of your back because you hurt so bad. I'm like, oh. So anywho. But, but I am now two weeks in. And I am not as sore as I was the first week, and I feel a whole lot better. So a lot of us get on our lazy Christian duffs, and we don't do anything to push ourselves to get stronger, to be more mature, and we wonder why we struggle when things happen and why we get injured so easily at times. There's a great spiritual application to that. A great, and it's easy. Oh, it's so easy to consume the things that are not good for you. It is so easy to just be lazy and not do anything. It is so easy, but you will pay for it. You will pay for it. And that's something very important to understand. All right, what else we got? What other feedback we got? Yeah. Um, well, something for me is just like meditating on him throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, like in seventh and eighth grade, I would talk to him him like in my head like going up the stairs about to take a math test like and that I would be nervous for or something like that and now I just kind of only do that when something is working right and I mean like at the beginning of the school year I didn't do it at all so I've gotten better but I still like it, I yeah. still struggle with that yeah that's good okay yeah Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot about the Bible, but sometimes I'm either, like, too lazy or too busy, you know, making excuses to do it. But I've been reading the Abiding Christ book, mm-hmm. and he says something about, like, 
you're not growing is because you don't believe that Jesus can get you to where you need to be. And yeah. I'm really convicted. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because the fact is, is that um, God can't get you there. Um, he took care of the most massive uh, gap you could never cross with your salvation. He can absolutely get you wherever you need to go. Yeah. Okay. All right, what about the next question? If you could change anything or improve anything in your walk with God, what would it be and why? Yeah. I'm saying my prayer life. Um, I did the prayer study when we did it like a few years ago. Yeah. Yes. And it's so hard. It is. To get back in it and like yeah. actually do it. Yeah. Like even when you see the results and then you go back and then you like kind of like go back to what you did before. Uh-huh. And you're like, wow, I missed that time. Yes. And you know what to do. But yeah. But I have to actually do it. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Struggle with the same thing. When we did that study a couple years ago, um, I felt exactly <laughs> the same way. And then coincidentally... I had a very, very rough patch in my life with some circumstances that unfolded. And I'm like, okay, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> and ever since then, I've not gotten back to that spot that I wanted to be in personally. So that's been something I've been thinking a lot about. All right, what else? Um, just to bounce off of what she said, kind of, I was telling Riley, because I mean, I'm farther along than these kids, but I was thinking about the the question, what do you struggle with most? And like, that's a big Mm -hmm. thing. And um, something that I personally struggle with is um, when we, when we tell somebody when they're ready, almost ready to get, well, other, I'm trying to find the right words. Salvation does not take away all your problems. Mm -hmm. It gives you eternal security, but you're still human Mm -hmm. and your flesh can still be a battle yeah and so not going back to the old ways not yeah. going back to not allowing the things that you lay down at the altar to don't pick them back up mm-hmm. and keep them for yourself and you know i've been saved since 2005 and every once in a while i'll catch myself bending back over to pick up things that i sacrificed and yeah. gave to christ and i'm like why do we do that right so I, that's for me personally, and yeah. I'm hoping it's for other people. Oh, I think it is. How many of you have gone back? Like when you made a camp commitment, you went back and you you know, like you started doing the old stuff again. Never. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, okay. It's that is for me. I think like that's the hardest. Yeah. If we, if I mean that's the beauty of God's love and His love for us to give us a free will and a choice, but there are times where I'm like, I wish He would take the choice away yeah. for us to go back to our our sins yeah. and our old ways. Yeah. Like, no, sorry, you can't. You can't. <laughs> right, right, right. I wish sometimes he would do that. But, yeah. That's why okay. it's a relationship, though. It. Yeah. All right, good. Anything else that you would change? Yeah. <laughs> say, um, just quality alone time with God. Yeah. Yep. And being our, our just take your five one with love languages, but like the quality time thing is me. Like that is totally me. And I find that I struggle to give the thing that I need the most is the quality time to my Lord, um, which I require. Like I require for my physical human relationships to feel loved, but I'm not giving that back to Jesus. And so, um, you know, Kenzie brought it up too, and I 
that whole just going through the motions and checking the boxes, and this is what you know you need to do, and you know you need to get away with the Lord, and you know you need to read your Bible and pray and do all these things. But when does it become like actual, meaningful, mm-hmm. life changing? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's your love language. <laughs> Shocking. That comment was shocking. Jack. Well, it's okay. We've already made fun of you enough today. Yeah. I said my work ethic for the Lord and it's kind of reading and praying, but mostly like. Oh my gosh, my voice is coming. It's, like, it's like when you, you know, you have like an opportunity, plain as day in front of you, and you just don't take it because, you know, you haven't been walking, and it's like, it sucks because, it's, mm. as Bobby said, I'm already this far, and I might as well just screw it up even more somehow. So that wasn't like, my advice, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Saying, like, That's what we tend to do. Right, yes, yes, it's true. So you just keep screwing up, but then you're like, I don't really know how to like stop screwing up, so I'll just fix it tomorrow, and then you never fix it tomorrow. Yeah. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. No, it's true. And that's actually something very, very important, because... When you make a mistake, making another mistake never corrects the mistake. And yet, we're like, well, I've already gone this far. I might as well just keep going. That is like the worst thing ever. Are you kidding me? I've already lit the match. Might as well set the house on fire. Like, why? Why would we, why would we do that? You know what I mean? You know what that is? That's the definition of insanity. That's actually what it is. Um, the thing that you need to realize, especially when it comes to that, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we keep going, but uh, what is in the past cannot be changed. So get over that. You can't fix the past. You can correct the present so that way the future can be different. And it is totally doable. The only person that needs to change is you. That's it. I mean, I use that example of, of finally trying to get into some sort of a workout routine. You know what I had to do? I actually had to start going to bed earlier and I actually had to get up when my alarm said to get up. And once I did that, things began to change. What a coincidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just takes a little bit of self-discipline to realize, you know what? I, why do I keep making the same mistake over and over again? This is not benefiting me whatsoever. I am insane. That's called repentance. You have a change of mind about your circumstances and you agree with God that he's right and you're wrong and you begin to make changes. You just need to do that. And until you come to that spot, you're not going to make any changes. Yeah, Jamie. Along with that, too, like, because um, you're talking about diet, or you're talking about exercise, but it made me think of our conversation with Brandy about food. Like, her and I can't eat tomatoes. And so I gave up tomatoes a long time ago. And it's like, I would test the water every once in a while, and I would be miserable. Like, my, everything would hurt. And so she was just talking about it last week, where she just she just keeps going back to it. She likes them so much, and they're not bad for you, but they hurt her. Mm-hmm. Give her mouth sores, whatever. But it's like that. Like, don't think like oh well i've been away from this then for a while i'll just dabble in it a little bit like it's okay it's been a while it'll be fine it's not really gonna affect me like it used to but always every time it's going to destroy your life so can stop thinking that you've been away from it long enough that you can go back and just put your toes in the water yeah yeah it doesn't work yeah absolutely okay all right so let's move on to one last thing flip your page over i want you to see this so in my head as i was kind of putting together um, 
what this would even look like. I came up with this picture, and uh, and and for me, I think this really encapsulates. You know, when I look at my perspective of the Christian walk and what the Bible says, I really feel like this encapsulates everything that we're going to talk about. Um, and so, my hope is by the end of this study that you'll have a good, sound understanding of what it means to walk with God and how to accomplish that. And then when things go awry, you'll be able to identify it, recognize it, and make corrections in order to get back to where you're supposed to be for the rest of your life. And that's a pretty tall order. But honestly, going through this stuff, I really think this could do it. I really do. So this is going to be the most practical study I feel like I've ever done on how to walk with God. I know we did Joshua. And I think Joshua was a great study on how to walk with God and making some good decisions. But I feel like this is going to be a lot more practical, trying to meet everybody where they're at and how to actually do this thing. Okay, so looking at your picture, you got several things here. The first thing I want to look at is your communication with God. So the big red heart in the center. This is going to be the overarching emphasis of the entire study because everything comes out of here. Everything. And so we're going to talk about your communication with God. Um, if you had me in the junior high, um, which I'm trying to think, have you guys in junior high? No, that generation has passed. Wow. So weird. Okay, so, um, yeah, it totally would have passed. And when I was in the junior high, I emphasized this so much, that your communication with God is always a two-way street. It's always a two-way street with talking and listening. And so we're going to talk about reading the Bible. We're in a, and I'm saying reading. Not studying. I'm not talking about studying. I'm talking about just reading your Bible. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about prayer and what prayer is and how it should actually be working in your life. And then lastly, keeping your heart. Because the reality is, because I think most of us have hit this before, is that you can read your Bible as much as you want. You can try to pray as much as you want. You can try to have as much self-discipline as you want. But if your heart is not right, it's never going to last. So your heart is actually the most important aspect of this. And if you don't know how to keep your heart right, then you're not going to be in the Bible consistently. You're not going to be praying consistently. And it's not going to be effective. Your reading is not going to be effective and your prayers are not going to be effective. So we're going to talk about keeping your heart. And we're going to talk about how that impacts reading and prayer. And then from there, you have the overflow of the heart. You have the work of the Lord. If your communication with God is right and your relationship with God is healthy, then you will work for the Lord. You will. And that would be the evangelism and discipleship. And I think for many people, the reason why they fail with evangelism and taking advantage of opportunities, and they fail in discipleship, and I use that term loosely because I feel like there's maturity that can go into that. But if you really drop the ball in discipleship, it's because your heart's not right. Your heart's not right. Your communication with God isn't right. Therefore, you're not going to witness, and you're not going to talk about God to anybody, and you're not going to do well in discipleship. It's just not going to go well. And so it's not that this isn't working for me. No, there's something wrong with your heart. There's something wrong with your heart, and you need to get back to the things that are the most essential and the most basic. But once you get involved in the work of the Lord, and I feel like this is where some of you are starting to understand it a little bit, at least the rudiments of it, then that's where you start to experience growth. And once you begin to grow, this is where you get into strength training and working with God. And this is where you can really get down into how to study your Bible. I mean, how to study your Bible. If you can't read your Bible, what makes you think you're going to be able to study it? Go. Cool. So in order to grow, you study your Bible. How do you study your Bible? I should be memorizing. Memorizing verses and the importance of memorizing verses. And discipleship from the aspect of being a good disciple and eventually being a good discipler. 
you can help someone learn how to walk with God. So I have discipleship in two places for a reason. But as you begin to grow, you're going to have potential pitfalls. And those potential pitfalls are going to be in your communication with God and the work of the Lord too. But you're especially going to experience those potential pitfalls when you begin to grow. And I feel like for a lot of people, they begin to grow and then there's a potential pitfall and they fall right into the pit. And because they fall into the pit, then their growth shrinks. Their muscles, they atrophy. They kind of go back to where they used to be before. And then you get so discouraged and you don't even know how to grow again. So these potential pitfalls are personal sin, relationships, relationships with people, people you don't want to hang out with because they're even a conviction to you. I mean, just be honest, having ruts in your life and even plateauing in your Christian life can be a potential pitfall. Life transitions are major potential pitfalls. And there's so many that we can talk about. But these are the the ones that I kind of wanted to emphasize and really spend some time talking about. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about first communication with God. And as we talk about that, we'll get into the details about that. And then we're going to get into the section of growth. And that is strength training and working with God, getting into the work of the Lord. And then we're going to talk about potential pitfalls and how to deal with that. But everything comes back down to your communication with God. Everything. Everything. When I struggle in my life, it's because my communication with God is off. Every time. Every single time. So I need to go back. I need to correct those things in order to get back to where I'm supposed to be. Every, I'm not lying. Every time. I'm giving you guys like the secret to the Christian life. Like this is it. Like if there's a silver bullet for this bad boy, it's that. Your communication with God is everything. It is everything. So we're going to spend most of our time there. And then we're going to move into these other areas. And we're going to be coming back to talk about how your communication with God affects these other things. Okay? So, so far in my mind, in my heart, I love this study. I think it's going to be a good one. It's going to be very practical. There's going to be some things that we're going to do that are going to be more like a workshop training type deal where we can try to figure out how to do some things a little bit different. We're going to have weekly challenges on, all right, this week we talked about this, so here's what I want everyone to do this week and really kind of meet some of those challenges, all right? So hopefully this will help out and hopefully this will kind of get you guys continue to be fired up into the end of the school year, thinking about camp and the ministry opportunities that you guys have with your friends through camp uh, for the Mexico team that's going to Mexico, which, by the way, uh, deposits are due next Sunday for those of you that are going to Mexico. Um, And uh, anything else that's coming ahead when it comes to maybe some of you that are seniors and graduating so you can actually start off on the right foot. All these things are so critical. All right, good. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for... Uh, just bringing us to this spot and these things that you've laid upon my heart and even the reminders that I've had this past week through my failures, um, that these things are so important. And I just want to, first of all, thank you, God, for your grace and mercy uh, and how patient and long-suffering you are with us and the way that you teach us and guide us. Because even though uh, I'm at the age I'm at now, I still struggle with some of these things, and it's so important. So I pray to God we'd be able to learn these things together and put them into practice in our life so you can be honored. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.